All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think hopefully this will work. I'm just going to wait for you guys to come and join me again. This is so crazy. My eyebrows look insane. Okay, ahí vamos. Vamos a ver cómo hacemos aquí. Okay, I see your request, Marisol. Let me try this again. Waiting for Marisol Alcantara. Can Wait! <laughs> we did oh it! Oh my God, we finally made it. Yes! It's like two senior citizens trying to use social media. You, the senior citizen. Dad, your toy caught up. How are you doing? How are you feeling? A little stress, you know, being locked up inside, but I've been working, going outside, working, and just trying to support our members. Yeah, yeah. Bueno, I really want to thank you for doing this today because now this is like my new thing, right? I love it. I love it. <laughs> doing this is called my, my coño coronavirus. It's really fucking us up in all kind of ways. But every um, go ahead. People in DR love the title, Coño Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of Angelo Farcón. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is all in, in memory of Angelo. You know, yes. he's one of my I loved and adored him. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, first I want to thank everybody that's joining. We've got a lot of folks coming on. Look at Gloria, your, your sister. Hi, She's Gloria. How are you? And um, and let's send a lot of love and light to her sister too, because her sister right now is is sick with the virus, but she's doing she's doing well. She's at home, she's doing well. She's been I, she's okay. been the media. She's been you know just asking for prayers. Fantastic. Yeah, um, and you know, so I basically started doing this one out of you know. I'm here. I have a lot of time, right? And I really wanted to have a conversation and focus on what Latinos and specifically what Dominicans are experiencing through this whole coronavirus epidemic. Somebody, sorry, Raki, somebody just texted me that IG is not functioning. Catherine Pichardo. Oh, that is not functioning? Yes. Oh, okay. Hold on a minute. Oh, Let my, me. So people are joining us. People are 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 on. We have a lot of people who are on right now. I see, okay. I see Christina. I see Shreya. She said hello. Eh, Carnaval Cultura Latina. Okay. Carnaval. Let me get in so Catherine can join us. Hold on. Dilaya, she most probably has to come in through my account. No sé. Oh, the video is blurry. Okay. Okay, sorry. So Marisol is back on. Okay, let's not, 
let's try not to interrupt it because it's getting blurry for other people too. I'm sure, and there's okay. also a lot on right now, so I'm sure this thing gets over. Se pone caliente, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, the first thing I wanted to do is, you know, first thank you for for your time for coming on to talk um, for those people who I think most of the people that are on know me, right? Raquel, I'm an attorney. I've done a lot of community work throughout the years, um, you know, focusing on immigrants, women, women of color, people of color, working people. And I know many of you um, may know so Marisol Alcantara, who I actually went to college with, to Manhattan College. And she um, currently works for the New York Nurses, uh, New York, the New York State Nurses Association, which is a union um, comprised of members from all over New York State in both public and private hospitals. And um, she was also formerly a New York State Senator. So, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have a, an interesting conversation on what's happening both in and outside hospitals um, and how it's impacting, you know, the staff, the nurses, and also the people who are being directly impacted with the coronavirus um, disease. Uh, so I just wanted to, um, before we get started, Marisol, I just wanted to take a moment to just recognize some notable um, Dominicans that have um, unfortunately passed. Um, because of this disease over the last several days, um, I wanted to mention Nelson Peña, who was formerly the um, executive director of the president of the Dominican Day Parade. Um, Dr. James Wilson, who's the father of Steve Wilson and Benji. Magic Proyecto Uno, if you remember that group. He also recently passed. Um, Dr. Ruben Moronta, who, who was a leader within the dental community, very much loved, um, also passed away. And um, Mili Quesada's uh, brother-in-law also passed, um, Reverend Arias um, also passed. So we know that many, many people on this feed have been impacted in one way or another, whether it was someone directly impacted. So we just want to recognize that and, and have a moment um, in recognizing that people are suffering, you know, and this is very much real. So Mari, go yeah. ahead. Why don't you share a little bit with us and then, um, you know, I'll bring up some points in terms of, in some questions about, you know, what's happening in New York City, what's happening in the Dominican Republic, because I know you've been in contact mm -hmm. with nurses there as well. Um, some people are really interested in knowing why has, it, of all the Caribbean islands, why is the Dominican Republic having the most numbers of coronavirus deaths at this point in time? And maybe you can, you know, bring some light to that. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. This is really fun. Um, but also, I think it's an opportunity for us to give people in our community information that is accurate, you know? Um, so I, 
I am the area director for Westchester County and the Hudson Valley, right? I also have Bronx Lebanon. Um, they changed the name to Bronx Care in the system. Um, we saw that this was coming about three or four weeks ago because people started coming in to the emergency room in uh, Bronx, Lebanon, which serves a predominantly Dominican community. No. Um, so we saw that people were coming into the emergency room, um, the information that we were getting from the city department of health and from the state department of health is that this was not a big deal, that this was a rich people's disease, that it was not going to be, a, you know, it was people that had traveled to China or had been, uh, traveled to China or Italy or had been in contact with people that had traveled. It has been devastating. We knew that it was going to be horrible in poor communities, especially majority of people that are in the service industry. Uh, on top of that, we live in crowded apartments, no? You have three and four generations of our people that live in a one-bedroom apartment, a two-bedroom apartment. Raki, you just got very dark. Yeah, no, I was just walking through the, the house. Okay, so a lot of us live in crowded spaces. A lot of us are home attendants, taxi drivers, excuse me. <coughs> so a lot of us live in jobs that are in the service industry. In terms of the Dominican Republic, um, the Dominican Republic is the biggest, has the biggest tourist industry in the entire Caribbean. And part of that industry is based in bringing folks in from Italy, Spain, um, those countries that have been heavily hit with the pandemic. Also, yes. there's a high number of Dominicans that live in those countries that when shit started to hit the fan in Spain and Italy, they were like, let me go back home. And when they were coming yeah. to DR, they were already infected and, you know, they were probably... Um, they were not. They were asymptomatic, so they just went into the general population. And people in DR were still gathering. You know, you have places in DR where, uh, you know, some barrios where you have an entire back alley using the same bathroom. You know, y la sanidad mm -hmm. is not something big in the Dominican Republic. So, yeah, yeah. And then what are you, what are your nurses experiencing at this point? I mean, we're, a lot of us are very aware about, you know, them having the proper equipment to be able to do their jobs and the lack of um, surgical masks, um, gloves, you know, other things that they need in order to protect themselves. Um, their staffing level issues. Um, you know, can you tell us a, a little bit about those things that have been happening and how has, how responsive has the government been really on these issues? Well, you know, the CDC, um, when they saw that the numbers were increasing, they basically put all kind of health standards out the window. Like those N95 masks that you wear, you only supposed to wear them once a day, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The surgical mask, you use a surgical mask with every patient you see. Um, so this problem with um, the uh, COVID-19, it has exposed a lot of issues in the United States. The fact 
that we don't make anything in the United States. You still have to rely on China and other countries to make all of our medical product. So that's number one. So there was no place in the United States that made these surgical masks. You know, hospitals normally order on a monthly basis the surgical mask and the N95 mask. And hospitals, um, when the pandemic started, hospital, the CDC put uh, all the rules out the window. So did the New York State Department of Health. They were telling uh -huh. our members to use a surgical mask for an entire week. So that means that if I go into a contaminated room, I have to use that mask with five other people and possibly contaminate them. Um, we don't have enough beds in the state of New York. In the last 20 years, um, we have closed down a number of hospitals. We closed down uh, Long Island Hospital. They closed down Beth Israel. They closed down uh, St. Vincent Caprini. Um, they closed down Mount Vernon Hospital. They closed down Westchester Square Union Hospitals. So the fact that uh -huh. we don't have enough bed, it was a problem created by, there have been about 20,000 beds that have been reduced in the state of New York. Wow. So that's why we don't have enough beds now because we are closing down hospitals. And um, we don't have, because we want to pretend that people, that we can take care of people in their houses, that uh, people can use Zoom or Skype. That's the new technology that you can talk to your doctor through Zoom and Skype. And we forgot that most people don't have internet, um, that most, um, if you have a language issue, you probably don't know how to use a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, so nurses, doctors, PCTs, they've been out there in the front line with any kind of PPEs to protect themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we've seen pictures of people like wearing garbage bags and plastic well, bags. Is that real? Totally. And you know, most people think that outside of the city that you don't have any poor people, you don't have Latinos. 36% of the population in Yonkers is Latino, 18% black, 10% Arab. So for example, my hospital is St. Joseph in downtown Yonkers. Mm -hmm. The nurses, they went to Walgreens, they bought shower cups and they bought plastic bags and they put it uh, as a protective gear. Yesterday yeah. we had a rally. And one of the nurses says that she uses her daughter graduation gown when she comes out of a room so she doesn't contaminate anybody. So she comes out, she leaves the only one gown they give her per week. She mm -hmm. leaves it outside and she puts the graduation gown so she doesn't get her clothes dirty. Mm -hmm, and, that mm -hmm. is, and that is something that has been happening even at Presbyterian, which is a very wealthy hospital, Mount Sinai. You know, they want to cut back and they are not protecting the people that are out there on the front line. Yeah, yeah. And then today Cuomo um, or someone put out a report about the breakdown, the racial and ethnic breakdown of who exactly is getting sick, right? Because people started requesting that information because they wanted Correct. to know. And so we're seeing that there's a large number of Latinos Right. The, the majority right now, are Latinos. The, yes. the majority are Latin. The majority are Latino and African American. Yes. That make up almost sixty percent of mm -hmm. all the people who are getting sick. Correct. Um, you know, you know, several weeks ago, and in in the last interview that I that I did with Sandy Placido, you know, we talked about that. We talked about how this was impacting. This would have a 
more of an impact on communities of color, right? Um, can you talk about that a little bit in terms of what, what the nurses are seeing, why they're seeing this? Sure. Right now, the epicenter of the battle is Armhurst Hospital in Queens. And you have done a lot of work in that area. So you know how crowded Jackson Heights, Corona, Woodside, that area is. You have a lot of families that are living together. Um, mm -hmm. Three and four, you know, you have eight people that live in a one-bedroom apartment. So how can I self, you know, how can I isolate myself if I, if I have eight other people that, that live with me? Most, a lot of, there's a lot of rental rooms in that area, and it's a lot of undocumented. If they don't work, they don't eat. Um, right now, the Bronx, Bronx, Lebanon, has one of the highest rate of people that die when they go in with a COVID-9, which is different wow. than folks that are, hospitalized. So Bronx, Lebanon, for every 10 patients that, hospital, that is hospitalized, every 10 minutes, a patient dies. Wow. And that patient, 9 out of 10, is probably Latino and probably Dominicans that, because that's who lives around there. Because we, you know, that's our industry. We are taxi cab drivers. We are home attendants. And they consider, we work in bodegas, we work in supermarkets, you know, restaurants. They consider all those jobs extensional workers that you are not exempt. Most of our folks don't have the luxury of being able to work from home. Yes. Um, you know, every morning we get on a conference call with each of the medical centers and they tell us the number of people that have been hospitalized, the number of folks that are intubated, um, the number of folks that have coded. Um, and it's, depressing you know some of our nurses are experiencing mental health issues you know one nurse told me she's been doing administration for a long time mm -hmm. and she was walking from maternity to icu and she said to me she's like oh my god i have never seen so many dead bodies in a hallway on top oh of my one god. body on top of the other and you know it's the saddest death because your family is not allowed to see you um, yeah what the city, I think the city of New York right now is trying to provide patients with a phone so they can call and say goodbye to their family. Yeah. Um, they don't give you the body when the person passes away. Yeah. You know, you have to make arrangement with a funeral or you have to have the person cremated. Mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. die basically alone in a room with a nurse if she has time to be there or if she's so depressed. Um, you know, like yesterday, a nurse says that she leaves the room because she has never seen so many young people dying. Dios mio. People that well, you look, did not expect. So Marisol, um, the, the video isn't very good. It's, they're say, people are saying they can't see either of us. Okay. Do you want to try to, do we want to try to log on one more time and see, and see how it goes? Sure. Um, and see if we can all see each other better. So we're going to try to, uh, we're going to log out and then we'll come back in and hopefully it'll be better. All righty. Okay. Okay. Hello, everybody. We're going to try this one more time. I'm hoping that the video works. Um, I know we've been having a little bit of trouble with the video tonight. Most probably it could be my connection. It could be her connection. It could be both of our connections or maybe... 
IG is overloaded, um, but let's just see how we work this out. Okay, all right, so let's try. Hello? Oh, yes, I think it's better. Okay, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, great. And you sound better to me too. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, hopefully if everybody that's uh, watching us, can you just indicate to me just in the comments if you're able to see us better, if it looks better, if it sounds better to you. Um, and maybe, and we may have to like repeat some of the things that we talked sure. about already before. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, basically you were talking about the situation in particular at Bronx, Lebanon. Um, what is the condition there? What are the nurses facing there? What are the patients facing? Um, so, and then, you know, what was happening on the inside, if you can just talk about that a little bit more, because I think that that was um, pivotal. Um, patients, you know, nurses are experiencing uh, trauma too. Um, because a lot of them are working past their 12 hours. Um, can you hear me better? Yes, I can hear okay. you. They are working beyond capacity. You are, when you normally work three days a week, you are being asked to work five or seven days a week. When you have not been at the bedside, um, you have been in administration or you are peds, they put you in ICU or they take you to the emergency room. Um, we have had a Bronx lab. I noticed that Jesenia joined nurses that were psych nurses, right? Mm -hmm. They're psych. They can give medication. And they are being asked to come to the emergency room or to ICU. And they have no clinical training in that kind of work. And it's sad. Uh, so they're just, it's just like learning by fire. Like yes, they're just doing it. Pueda. Correct. Mm -hmm, yes. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. They are wow. asking nurses that are working in PEDS to come and work in adult ICU. Um, they are asking nurses that do education that have not been at the bedside in ages. They are asking them to come back on the floor. Wow. Wow. So what do you, I mean, I don't know, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, right now the death toll is over 6,000. It's right? more than they, that. Because, they, they're, know, they're, they're projecting, right, that it's supposed to be 16 or more. No, what is happening is, for example, and we've been saying that on ISNA for a long time, if you had a pre-existing condition, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you die in your house. Right? Maria has a pre-existing condition. Maria had breast cancer. And Maria gets COVID-19. And she dies in her house. Mm -hmm. They don't count this as a COVID-19 death. They say she died of breast cancer. Yeah. So you have four being counted uh, to the numbers. And the one, a problem that we have is that they don't do text, testing for everyone. So mm -hmm. if you go to the emergency room, let's say a Presbyterian, and you have all the symptoms, you're symptomatic, right? They're like, okay, you probably have it. Go home, take your temperature, and call us. We're going to call you every three or four hours to see how you're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, then that begs the question to me, is it even worth, worth, worth it going to the hospital? Like how many yeah. people are surviving once they get there? Well, sometimes if you're, if you're still being able to breathe and you don't have any liquid in your lungs, they tell you that you might, you, you, it's better for you to get home because if you stay around, you're going to get sicker and you probably die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, but they don't test you automatically. You know, if you go in and you tell them, look, I have all the symptoms, I don't feel well, they're like, okay, you probably have it, go home. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is insane. So then I, then I just saw that the CDC put out a plan for returning back to work. Yes. Uh, well, before, you know, normal, regular folks, it's 14 days for you to go back to work because they said that after 14 days, it takes 14 days for this to be out of the system. What mm -hmm. a lot of hospitals in the city were doing is saying to uh, healthcare workers, hey, you might have it, you are sick, we're not gonna test you, uh, put on a mask and come to work. Then they extended it to seven days, that you can come back in seven days. Then they changed it to 14. Now they change it again to seven days. So mm -hmm. even though we know that after seven days, you still have the symptoms and you still can get other people contaminated, they are asking you to put on a mask and come to work. And a lot of the hospitals, we've been fighting with the hospitals because they refuse to treat, they refuse to test their workers if they get sick. Yeah. Wow. This just, this, this just sounds insane. It's like a third world country, a developing country. Yeah. It's very mm -hmm. sad. This is just insane. Like, it, it doesn't even sound right to me. No, I mean, you've seen patients in places that you would have never expected. They have taken up all the cafeterias, the changing stations for the nurses, and made them into extra hospital rooms. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that the hospital, the rooms for COVID-19 patients, you have to have air pressure, like some type, some type of air purifier. Um, and it's not happening to, at all. To help them breathe. Yes, and to clean up the room and to take out whatever, you know, is lingering in the air. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening. No, it's not happening. Some places don't have, an, you know, they don't have enough room because you were not expecting, you know, like in an ICU, you might have, three or four patients or six patients on a ventilator. You're not going to have 30 people in a ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, where was the, the lack of communication on all of this? Because it seems like it just broke down from every level of government, from the local to the state to the federal to whatever the, the World Health Organization was recommending. I mean, you know, why do you think, for example, de Blasio waited so long to stop people from going to schools? Because you know he's a white man who's a liberal and they think they know more than everybody. I mean, you know, they, I mean, like if a doctor is telling you, uh, if somebody who is clinically trained tell you, Raquel, don't take this medicine, I would hope that you listen. You know, so everyone was telling him this is happening uh, get everybody out of here. And he just didn't listen. I mean, you know, he does one thing and he, and he do another, you know, he was still traveling to Brooklyn 
with his entire security to exercise. Uh -huh. uh, you know, the New York Times had an article today where he still has his entire detail driving him to Prospect Park where he can walk instead of walking around where he lives. So, uh -huh. I mean, and remember, in New York City, you have more than 87,000 people that live in shelters. Um, you know, my friend runs a shelter facility in the Bronx, and she has 7,000 kids. Those kids don't have internet. They don't have laptops. They don't have iPads. How are they doing homework? Yeah. You know, the effect of this pandemic. I mean, look, I have my, my own criticisms on that whole thing, regardless of whether you have an iPad or not. Yeah. You know, um, because it's impossible. <laughs> Kudos to those parents that are able to do it and, yeah, get their sit and, and get their kids to actually sit down and want to do work because in their heads, right, for a lot of children, little kids, right, not necessarily mm -hmm. teenagers, they're on vacation. They're, like, not in school. Yes, and a lot of kids so, are stressed, too. And they're because stressed. Because they see the news. They see their parents. Yes. You know? Yeah, no, definitely, like, for example, with Carmen, she's, she'll ask me, Mommy, when is the virus going to be over? Yes. And I'm like, Mama, you know, I can't really answer that, but right now we're, we're safe, we're here, you know. But she wants to know because she wants to play with her cousins. She's not playing with them. Like, it's just, it's a lot of stuff. And you are at a place where you have a lot of space. Imagine folks that don't have access to that. You live in an apartment building. Hi, Marisol. Hi, Carmen. Como esta? <laughs> okay, mommy, go upstairs, please. Hello. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. We are, you know, I consider us like coronavirus refugees. We, no fuimos corriendo. Yes. And, from New uh, York. Like, and, you know, people... When this whole thing even started, it's just really interesting how slow people were to react to this. Yes. And how people just kind of were like, no, this is just a flu. This is, this mm -hmm. is not what, what it is. But now it's like, oh, my God. Like, well, you know, essential workers are still taking the number two train to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I was looking at the at the num the the densities, right, of where people have tested positive, and and it's all they're all along the train lines. Like you see the four and the D train, Grand Concourse area, right, where Bronx Bronx Lebanon yes. is. Like that is a concentration. The seven line, like, is definitely like around the trains. Yes, I just think that the whole country has not planned out well for this. Um, you know, Cuomo is out there giving us correct information, but, you know, we don't have places for uh, these workers, essential workers, where, you know, when they finish their tour, they're coming back to their house. Uh -huh. So when a bus driver finishes work, that bus driver is going back to his house. So if he's infected and he's not asymptomatic, He's going to get the folks in his house infected. Yeah. When, when a nurse comes back to work and she's not symptomatic, she might be a carrier, she's going to get everybody else in her house infected. So it's not like we have hotel rooms. Um, we've been asking um, municipalities all throughout New York State um, to get us hotel rooms for these workers to come to the hotel rooms, change uh -huh. and go back. Um, some nurses are telling us that they're sleeping in their car. Because they don't yeah. want to go back home. So that's the, you know, we have.
not plan out well for this. Also, we don't have a universal income like Spain did. My cousin lives in Barcelona. He gets sick. Mm -hmm. um, the Spanish government makes sure that everybody has a check and everybody's rent is taken care of. So yeah. if you have to send money to your sick mother in DR, you're still going to be a home attendant. You still are going to go to the bodega and work. And you still are going to drive Uber or Lyft. Yeah. Because if they don't work, they, they don't There's paid. no money. Exactly. There's, that's just what it is. It's, so, you know, yeah. and, New York, and New York is, New, there's nothing like New York, right? New York is, you know, I'm looking at the rest of the country. New York already rolled out all this help from the city level to, you know, to get to small businesses, solos, the unemployment, like just everything, right? Mm -hmm. And most places don't function like that. No, exactly. Remember the governor of Georgia? He's like, oh, I didn't know yes. that people could be asymptomatic. And really? the CDC is here. The CDC exactly. is here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, the, the feeling here in Georgia is different because everybody drives in their car. You know, most people live in a home, right? Um, there's just very few places where you have, like, buildings, you know, exactly. that only exists like downtown or like Southwest Atlanta. Yes. So, so the feeling of it is different versus like New York where you're very, you know, that there is a lot of people around you. Yes. So I think like people just kind of just feel it differently, but it, 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 it takes them a while to actually like, oh my God, like you can really, you could die from this. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's, and it's, it seems torturous. It's like you're drowning. Yes. It's like and you're drowning by yourself. Just me. Yeah, you're drowning by yourself. You know, like, you know, there's people that have lost. Uh, where I used to live in Hamilton Heights, in uh, my old building, a lady lost her mother at 11 o'clock in, in the morning. Her mother passed away. At 4 mm -hmm. o'clock, her son, 49 years old, passed away. Oh, my God. In the same building. So imagine the trauma of everybody that lives there. And people still get up every day and they got to go to work. You know, yeah. when, I, when I hear people putting stuff in Facebook, oh, stay at home is very elitist to us, you know, because we don't understand everybody's situation. Some people, if they stay home, literally they're not going to eat that day. Or their kids mm -hmm, are not going to mm -hmm, eat. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. we are not providing an income, we can't tell people to get home. Uh, you know, we are forcing working class people and poor people to make bad choices. Yeah. 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 You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough stuff. Tough stuff. So uh, people are still telling me that my, my thing is frozen. I don't know if it's your connection or my connection. But or not. But I think it's recorded. It's there. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Next time, and this is just my second one, so who knows? It's very good. I like it. <laughs> I like it, too. <laughs> bueno, Marisol, so what do you think that's going to happen next? Like, I mean, right um, now we're just in the midst of all of this. This is not going to be over anytime with, soon. Um, you know, some hospitals are probably going to declare bankruptcy after this. Yes. Um, because they are not doing elective surgery. So they're not making, they're not, they don't have a cash flow. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. going to get paid 
hopefully by the federal government, but who knows when. Yeah. So there's not a cash flow coming in now. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, Nyack Hospital in Nyack, New York, they told us, oh, my God, you know, things are bad. We're not doing elective surgeries. Mm -hmm. uh, so the cash flow is going to be a problem. Um, some hospitals have put out so much money to take care of patients, hiring healthcare workers from outside of the country. Um, yeah. And the effect of this is that a lot of businesses are not going to be able to come back. Yeah. You know, if you have a restaurant that is closed for two or three months, um, they're not going to make that back rent. It's not like somebody's no. giving the rent. No. It's just like, oh, pagame después. So a lot of businesses are not going to come back. The number of people that are homeless is probably going to increase. Um, the mayor just declared today of New York City that he's proposing cutting out 75,000 youth employment. Yes. Yes, exactly. I heard that. That's terrible. Exactly. Our unemployment That's terrible. Is, yes, unemployment is going to get worse. Um, so, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, is some retail might not come back. You know, Macy's put 158,000 workers in furlough. Wow. So, and while all these people are not coming back, remember, these people are losing their health insurance. Yep. This. And do you think, do you think, and so do you think Biden is the guy then? Because this is, that just, I, I'm mean, like, I can't believe it. I'm just like, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. But you know, Raquel, it's like when, um, when people, when you walk around, you know, I have a hospital in St. John's. It's in Yonkers, Yonkers, mm -hmm. like 20 minutes from New York City. And a lot of our members at that place, they were loving Trump into a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. They were like, oh, my 401k is not going down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, so people feel a lot of people are going to like Biden now because they're like, he's a safe choice. Uh, a lot of our members, even for, you know, today we were on a phone call with Catskill Regional. Mm -hmm. It's a hospital in, the Hudson, in um, Sullivan County. A lot of our members there, they're not, quote-unquote, progressive. They're not liberals. Yeah. You know, they believe in carrying their gun. They, some of them voted for Antonio Delgado. But, you know, what are you going to do for me? Um, yeah. So hopefully, as a country, Joe Biden is a much better choice than Trump. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's going to be really bad, especially for our community out here. And the Dominican Republic is going to suffer tremendously because there is going to be no tourism in the Dominican Republic. If we are not working, there are no remesas. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know who's going, you know, we're not going to be able to send money. Boy, um, what I hope can come from this is that we in our community can encourage more uh, young Latinas and Latinos to go into the healthcare industry. Only 2% of nurses in this country are Latinas. And, and then the here, and then, and then today, most of the patients we're seeing are All Latinas. the patients all the time, honey. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'm walking the hallway and they're like, can you do me a favor? Can you translate? Uh, mm -hmm. Because when you call over the phone, it takes a lot. You know, you can call a translator, yeah. but... Yeah. Uh, 
you know, you have to wait 20 minutes. The person is dead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Bueno, this is not so good. <laughs> this is, does not sound good. I guess all we could do is just pray, my friend. What are we going to do? Yeah, you know, I think uh, folks and um, I mean, I don't know if you noticed today, a lot of leaders, uh, elected officials from the African-American community were the ones that were vocal, asking for the numbers, asking for the statistic, yes. asking for, uh, you know, like, tell us where these people are from. Yes. You have not heard anyone from the Latino community say anything. Any of, no one from our leadership has said, oh, my God, this is terrible. We need to, you know, but you have Jumani yeah. and all the leaders. Because we don't even know, because we, we, okay, fine, they're Latino, but we don't even know the breakdown of where they're, if they're immigrants, if they're Puerto Rican, if they're. Honey, if they're in the Bronx and they're Bronx, Lebanon, they're either Dominican or Puerto Rican. Yes. That's mm -hmm. what it is. If they're on Mount Sinai, uh, in the east side, they're probably Puerto Ricans. You know, if yeah. they're a Presbyterian, they're Dominicans. You know, like. Those are the numbers around there. And we also have a lot of people in our communities that have pre-existing conditions, that have diabetes, mm -hmm, that have mm -hmm. a high blood pressure, cholesterol. You know, the people from our community, they think that if you're obese and you go and have a plastic surgery, that is going to solve the issue. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's all about aesthetic. It's all about looks, uh, not about health. So, um, you know, the city, the state needs to do a campaign trying to get those numbers down for Latinos and African-American. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bueno, mija. Yeah. I have nothing else to say. Neither do I. <laughs> Thank you. I hope we can see, you guys can see us next time. Bueno, nada. I'm going to try to, you know, because I tried to upload it, it, at least the audio, and I think I most probably get the audio, and I'll try to put that up. If um, anything, we can do Zoom next time. We can try Zoom next time too. Yeah, I need I need to because I had tried the Facebook, but that they don't do this anymore, and then IG does. But so much I'm still learning everything. I have so a Zoom account, also. a corporate account, so we can do three hours on Zoom. Ah, oh, wow. Yes. Okay, so Zoom me. away. I, All I, right. I, Thank okay, you, everybody, for tuning in. Ciao. All right. Thank bye. You. Bye. Bye.